worship team for, for leading us into um, in this worship time. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Um, I was just thinking just now, looking out um, at the blue skies and sun out there, that church congregation is a little bit like the weather. Um, that for some of us who are here right now, it is like that out there, you know, blue skies, clear skies, um, you know, great sun. But for some of us, it's probably more like that monster blizzard on the East Coast right now. Um, and things are not clear. Um, things are cold, stormy. But it's good that we're all able to gather here in this congregation, this sanctuary, um, and to be able to receive from God and be able to come together and, and worship together and declare this God who, who we serve is greater than, than all these things, is greater than the weather, it's greater than all the circumstances that are in our lives right here, right now, today. Um, my name is Ken. I am, um, have the privilege of serving as one of the, the speaking pastors of the church. Um, and our senior pastor, Pastor Wilson, is actually speaking at the... Should I call it the mother church? Um, the one that sent and started this plant. And so he's kind of giving, sharing about what God's been doing in this past year and a half since uh, Renew Church was planted. So, so that's where he's at uh, today. Um, the service here is going to be a little bit different. I'm, I'm only going to be giving a very brief um, introduction, exposition of uh, the text itself and then um, I will be giving it over to Tiffany, who is going to um, introduce our special guests, uh, Vance and Carol Gardner, who are going to be sharing um, a very special testimony to us um, and, and sharing of uh, the circumstances and, and what God's done um, in their lives. And so, um, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing for, for today. Um, it is a custom in, at Renew Church to start the message with a little bit of a discussion question uh, for us. So if, um, here's the question that I would like to, for us to, um, with the people around you, and just for a minute, um, again, for the sake of time, there's not going to be that much time, but just for a minute, if we can pop that question up. Two simple yet probably profound questions. And the first is, what are you living for? The second is, what are you willing to die for? Okay? One minute. <laughs> okay? Just for the people around you, someone if you don't know, uh, maybe someone you didn't come with. Okay? It's just for a minute. What are you living for? What would you die for? Okay. Let's bring you back together here. We, we recently started in the book of Philippians, and we're going to be continuing today in um, verses 18 to 26. So, um, if you can want to follow with me as I read the passage, it's going to be here up on the screen, or if you have um, the, the text with you um, in front of you. Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 to 26. And Paul writes, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. 
For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Let's pray. Father God, we come together as a congregation of imperfect people with all different circumstances in our lives, Father, and we pray, Father, that by your Spirit that you may take um, your word plant a seed in our hearts, help it to grow, and speak to us in whatever situation that we may find ourselves. And, um, help us to love you more through this passage and through um, the example of your Apostle Paul and testimony of your servants, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Now, in this passage, um, it's, it's, if you just read, especially a few of the particular verses where Paul is talking about choosing death, it may seem in, um, that Paul is kind of being a morbid a person. But it's really important, of course, when you look at a passage to look, understand the context of what he is speaking about. Paul is not talking about taking his own life in order to be with Christ. He says that that's better by far, but he's not talking about taking his own life in order to be um, with Christ. Paul is writing the letter to Philippians, and the context is that he is in prison somewhere. Um, tradition has, has it that this is when he is imprisoned in Rome, um, and it's described in the book of Acts, um, where he spent about two years uh, imprisoned, kind of under a house arrest in Rome, and he was um, being taken, t- taken there because he was being put on trial by the Jews who had opposed uh, his speaking of the gospel message. Now, during that time, he was able to welcome visitors and guests in, into his house and speak to them. And in fact, he was able to, to preach and share the good news to all the guards and all the house and the people who were um, kind of the caretakers or or, or, or guards um, during that house arrest. At the same time, he was also able to write letters like the letter to the Philippians and, and some of his other letters um, and in order to um, edify the churches that he had um, helped to grow, to plant um, in, as part of his uh, many missionary journeys. Okay. However, um, even while he's able to do this work under, while under house arrest, there is looming in his mind um, the very real possibility that at the end of the trial that he would be executed. So that is definitely, that's a very, very real possibility to him, and that is um, the death that, that Paul is, is talking about here. Okay. Um, Paul, as we can see in this passage, uh, was not fearful of that death. Okay. He was not fearful of death by, by, by execution. We see in Paul that he understands at the same time that there is a purpose and a reason for him to continue living so that through him God can continue to strengthen um, the faith of those, uh, the church people, uh, the church members that, that he had helped to plant and he was pastoring. Um, through this encouragement of his letters and so on, um, that he's, he sees that there is a need for him to continue to do that, that work. So we see in this passage Paul wrestling with his desire to depart 
you know, in order to be with Christ and the knowledge that he still has this fruitful labor um, that he can accomplish for, um, for the glory of God's kingdom. And it's, and it's kind of a weird um, tension that we see here. And probably few of us uh, have lived in that kind of tension between life and death that, that we see here with, with Paul. And there's two movies that um, I think help to illustrate this theme, albeit you know, incompletely, at least, at least to me. Um, and these two movies are Braveheart and Gladiator. Okay? Now, who has, among you has not seen either of those two movies? Anyone has not seen either one or two or both? Okay, there's a few of you. Okay, so... Just, spoiler alert, okay? So if you don't want to ruin the ending of the movie or you reveal some of the spoilers in there, you may want to close your ears for, the, for this part. Um, in these two movies, okay, you have the, 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 the lead character, the main hero of, of the movies, you know, played by Mel Gibson and Russell Crowe, respectively. And the wife and, and family of these two lead characters is brutally killed at the beginning of the movie. And throughout the, the remainder of both of these movies, you see the, 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 the hero, or the lead character, kind of longing to, to die so that he can join his wife you know, in, in the afterlife or um, you know, whatever representation that that, that is. Okay? And, but we also see that this, our, our hero is has a purpose to live for, whether that in Braveheart, that's you know, freedom for the Scots, or in Gladiator, it is to uh, remove the evil emperor from the throne. Um, and since this is Hollywood, of course, there's a major dose of vengeance that's thrown in uh, into the, um, their purpose. And, and it is only when the hero has accomplished that purpose that he is then, at the end of the movie, released from the life to join with his family, you know, you know, again, to be with his family again. That's uh, the Hollywood ending for these things. Um, now, generally in, in real life, when, when life is good, we, that's the less that we want to, to die and leave this life. Okay? Life is good, things are going good. We want to stay here and continue to live and, and enjoy um, the life that, that, that we have. But what I see here from Paul in this passage is that the life that he's lived, because he's been living this life in obedience to, to Christ and love for his kingdom, that the death that is possibly awaiting him is actually the better outcome because it will be the fulfillment of his greatest longing in life, and that is to be with Jesus. We know that this is not Hollywood fiction, you know, it's not myth, it's, but this is absolute reality, that one day, each and every one of us will see Jesus face to face, and we will have to give an account of our life to him on that day. And whether that face-to-face -face meeting with Jesus is going to be the consummation of our deepest desire, or it is going to be the day of absolute dread, depends on the purpose that we are living for while we are here on this earth. Loving Jesus while we live prepares us to be loved by him in person when we die and see him face to face. The more that I am focused on building his kingdom, 
while I am here on earth, the more excited I will be to see his forever kingdom established when I die. And again, on the very um, kind of shallow level, it's a little bit like a long-distance relationship, where if you have this relationship with someone that you are not in person, you know, you can't, you're not able to personally be together, um, but you, you're building on that relationship, you're, you're communicating, you're writing, you're, you're, you're you know, preparing gifts for that person for that one day when you actually finally meet in face-to-face again, um, you know, that's, you're building anticipation for that meeting. But if you're in a long-distance relationship and you don't have spent any time at all thinking about that person or doing anything for that person, you're just kind of living your own life without any regard for that person, of course that day when you meet together, it's not it's going to be kind of anticlimactic. You're not going to really be. You're not really looking forward to to that day when it comes. And so, because of Paul, the life that he lived, he's been spending his his entire life pouring it out for the ministry of you know, of, of God's kingdom. Um, he longs deeply for that day where then he can finally meet face to face with his Savior, with his Lord, the one he's been serving for his entire life. And when I look at that example of Paul here in this passage, um, I know that I am still so far from the faith that Paul exhibits here. And, um, you know, when I think about that list of things that, that I would put on, you know, things I want to do, uh, things that I am living for, you know, it seems so, so shallow and so selfish uh, in comparison. Um, you know, just some of the things on my list, um, I remember just when in my 20s, you know, one of my deep, deepest prayers was, dear God, please don't let me die before I'm married. You know, I don't trust me, some of you can relate to that. Um, but now, you know, I have, for example, I would love, I want to own an electric vehicle, okay? I want to finish my dissertation so I can get this doctor that I've been working on for so many years. Um, I want to see my kids grow up with character and wisdom. I want to earn enough so that, you know, I could pay for their college tuition when they get in college. And I also want them to do well enough in school so that I don't have to pay for their college tuition. <laughs> so it's, and, and, and it's not to say that this life is not beautiful, that there's not things to live for and do in this life. But I think um, it's a little bit, again, like, like, like kids, you know, with, with parents. Um, that when you're young, when kids are young, they, all they want is the presence. All they want is the things. You know, that's what they, they love. They love the things that they get. Now, as they grow older, then they start to appreciate the, the ones who give them those things, the giver. Okay? They start to love, okay, I love my parents because they give me these things. It's not just the things themselves anymore, but it's you know, the, the giver of those things. And hopefully, as they mature more, that love then grows to the giver, you know, just the love for the giver, regardless of the things themselves. And I think, you know, for many of us, and for myself included, I'm still at the stage where I'm loving the things. You know, I'm loving the giver also for the, the things, the good things that I get. Um, but I'm hoping that I can continue to grow to the point where it's going to be like Paul, where he's solely in love with the giver himself. 
And maybe that's the goal that we should strive for. I want to end here then with um, these two, this last little point. Am I living the kind of life that makes me want to cling tighter to this earthly life? Or am I I living a life that makes me long deeper for the life beyond this one? In my everyday life, am I falling more in love with this world and the things of this world or with Jesus? So let me then ask for Tiffany to come up and she will introduce our um, Vance and Carol Gardner for us. Thank you, Ken. Um, Let me just read you a little bio of Vance and Carol. Vance and Carol Gardner met while freshmen at USC. Five years later, they were married, and one week after the ceremony, Vance started medical school. (laughs) Um, And Carol worked as a physical therapist. After Vance finished his medical school, his med school, they moved back to Irvine where Carol began med school and Van started his orthopedic surgery uh, training. During the next five years, they had two babies, Sarah and Julia. After doing training in pediatrics, Carol decided to stay home and raise her children and had two more, Molly and John. Vance and, uh, had a busy practice as a spinal surgeon for 15 years until he was diagnosed with hepatitis C, which forced him to give up surgery. He is now working in medical research. When her youngest child was in high school, Carol began volunteering um, working for Birth Choice, uh, now Orbria, or Orbria Cho- uh, Medical Clinic, a nonprofit pro- a pro-life medical clinic, uh, where she does ultrasounds and performs well women exams. After great years of being involved with a large church in Irvine, where Vance was saved, they felt called then to help uh, start a small church, where they met. They were fortunate enough to meet Tiffany and Paul Kim. Um, they loved. <laughs> They loved learning God's word together, serving the Lord, and walking this life with others while holding on tightly to Jesus. So I, just based on the bio, not even seeing them, like, they've lived long. <laughs> they've lived long. Um, words can't even express how they have been an influential part of Paul and my, uh, my life. Um, there was a season where we needed much healing, and um, that's where I started being a children's pastor, and my husband was the associate pastor of this church plant um, seven, eight years ago. <laughs> um, and they uh, call, felt called to church plant um, with that pastor, and uh, what were the elders and teaching board there, and, um, and o- over several meals, um, they have been, they have nurtured our souls. Um, they have been spiritual parents to us. Um, they just really took care of us and um, just extended so much love. Um, today, I invited them as I was refle- reflecting, back, reflecting on this passage. Um, the one thing that popped into mind is what Van said uh, a couple months ago, six months ago to me. Um, six months ago, they, this is her, their family right here. Um, and six months ago, Julia, um, who is 27, they lost her to a car accident. So it is very uh, recent. And um, I, had the, I had the privilege of just attending her, ceremony, uh, her call it ceremony, but her funeral, um, where it, we celebrated her life. And um, there was just so much joy. Um, but at the same time, 
testimony after testimony of others who were there. I think there was like over 500 people just surrounding them with love, believers, unbelievers. And they were just um, testifying of that whole week of grieving process where they left their door open and unbelievers came, believers came, and they were able to grieve and be present with them um, in that grief. But there was this, always this um, sense of hope and um, delight um, in Julia's life and assurance. And so um, when I was reading this passage, uh, the thing that came to mind was what Vance said to me at the funeral. He said, I really only have about 20 more years with the children that I have here. And then I get to be with Jesus and Julia forever. So I am so humbled that they are coming, they're here and just inviting us into their journey. Um, <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for having us, and um, thank you to Paul and Tiffany, and um, I just want you to know what an amazing person Tiffany and, of course, Paul is, but um, we've just been so blessed by them, and um, I know you know what a gift she is to your church as well. She's got such spiritual maturity and kindness, loves Jesus, loves you, loves people, and is so affirming <clears throat> and has been so affirming to us, and I'm honored, uh, we are honored to be here and to be um, asked to share our story. So, so um, as Tiffany said, I'll just share a brief story about Julia. Um, Julia is our second child and, um, you know, just a joy, loved, uh, had millions of friends, and, um, but <clears throat> was also a challenge, <laughs> but uh, was an amazing daughter. And um, she, was, she had taken a while to get through school. Um, she had stopped for a while and started back again. And um, she was in an amazing place in her life where she was working, going back to school, and we were just fortunate and blessed enough to have her live with us for about five months before um, the accident. And uh, she was a manager of a restaurant, and um, just a joy to have around. Worked out with her twice a week, and it was just a real healing experience because we had been through some tough times with her. Life was not always perfect. She was almost, she was almost 30. Almost 30, so yeah. The news show said 27, yeah. but she's actually 29. And, um, you know, yeah, one. Parents, yeah, but God was so good to bring her back home and, and to have lived with us while she was trying to save up money for school and also go to school. And um, so at three o'clock one night, I had said goodbye to her, at, you know, when she went to work at night, and uh, three o'clock in the morning, you get that phone call that no parent wants to get anyway. She had been in an accident. Her, um, she was riding in a, a car in the back seat and was hit by a drunk driver and killed. And um, we all went to the hospital, and it was something. <laughs> but God was with us and so present with us. And we just kept saying, God is good. God is good. Never mad. Not understanding all the time. But... Um, we had so much love and support from everyone around us. And at her service, our, our goal was to um, honor Jesus, point people to Jesus, because she did have so many friends that were not believers. She had a few believer friends, but a lot of them were non-believers. And um, we just wanted them to know the love of Jesus. And 
to also know Julia, because there were many of our friends, I mean, there were like about 800 people there. It was, it was so overwhelming. Um, a lot of our friends didn't really know Julia, so we wanted them to know Julia better and for other people to um, really be pointed to Christ, because really that's what, what it's all about. Jesus is what it's all about. So, do you have anything to add? No, um, I've already cried because you showed the video. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I put that video together um, a few days before. Uh, we found out on a Monday, I think that was a Friday, that we, was that right? Yeah. Ten days later. Ten days later, Friday. So we're putting the video together, putting all these clips together, and they seem to just like be putting together by God. Um, the last clip that you saw, just before the Rolling Stones song called Give Me Shelter, which I put in, the last uh, clip, she's actually on the boat, and she's taking a back dive. I didn't know when I put this in there that the song that was playing uh, on the boat, which is on the, on the clip, was Mercy Me If I Could Only Imagine. And I don't know if I ever told you this, but I think I was in a service like this, bigger church, 20 years ago, maybe more, a little bit more, and I found myself crying to that song. It was Mercy Me that was at Harvest um, Crusade uh, that we had gone to just before we went on that trip to Lake Mead. And Julia was saved on that Harvest Crusade with Mercy Me playing at that crusade. And I, I just think God is so good. I don't even see this until I met the church that we're about ready to talk about her. And it all, there's so many things that get put together as these things happen that give you joy. That's his joy. You said we had strength, that's his strength. Um, and that comes from what you all are doing. And maybe some of you haven't decided to take that first rest. Because when, when this happened, I, I just came right back down to all the passages in the New and Old Testament that give us that understanding of Jesus more than any others. Some are from Paul, and the one that we just heard from Philippians about dying there's another passage in Galatians that says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Paul says that. So he's not talking about dying later. He's talking about I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And now I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and died for me. So that's kind of a weird thing, this whole death thing. You can go into the Philippians, and, and, and your pastor was amazingly explaining that strange passage. But seeing her dive off that back flip, I know she's alive. She's alive. She's been alive. Now, what happens when you get that first rest is really, that's, what's, that's one of the passages I went back to about Jesus, and Jesus actually is the only time he ever tells about himself. I mean, he calls himself the door, and he calls himself the gate, and he calls himself the shepherd, but he actually talks about himself in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, 
And that was one of the best passages that I really grasped onto, which I really learned early uh, after I got saved. And he just says, and you all know it, I'm sure, come to me, all who are weary. We're all weary. We're all burdened. If we don't have it right now, well, we may have it a week from now, tomorrow, whatever. And I can't believe I said that I was going to live for 20 more years. I could die today. Well, you said Lord willing, but I don't want to add that. So, um, yeah, so we take, we, we get what he says he's going to give us. Come to me and I will give you rest. You don't have to do anything. You just have to turn to him. Turn to him and he will give you. And that's the rest that she's diving into. That's the rest. That's grace. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything. She's in heaven because you accepted it. Now, as we go further in life, we need to actually say, well, who is this that's given us this rest? This is God. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So that's what I've been doing and Carol's been doing. And I think that Julia was being transformed even though we never saw her with the Bible. And it could be that Christ was doing it all on her own, but I think prayers, prayer, prayer, prayer. There's a transformation that happens with prayer, too, and it doesn't have to be your prayer for yourself. In fact, it might help more others, because we were seeing her turn from kind of an angry person at times to a loving, and we heard that all at her memorial service. So many people, and disenfranchised, people that were on the edges coming up and saying what she did for them and how much she loved them. And Jesus was doing that in her life. We saw it, but it was amazing to see it uh, from others. So he take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart. That's what he says about himself. He's not, he's not going to come to you powerfully. He's going to come to you quietly. Take your yoke, take his yoke, put it on you, and then you learn of him. And as we walk with him, that's what God gave us, this strength. That's what, uh, if we have strength, it comes from him. Because I'm ready to run at any, week, at any moment when I, my weakness is going to come displayed. But like Paul says, he has died, you die Christ is in you. That's a strange thing. It's the Holy Spirit, but there is a, it's come, this whole yoking to Jesus really does provide our strength. So, um, and if, you, if any of you have not accepted that yoke or even accepted that first rest, because at the end he says of the second yoke, you will find rest for your souls. So at that point, you start to find it. It's a second rest. It's the rest that knowledge that Christ is in you today, tomorrow, the next day, no matter what happens. It's his joy that you're going to have. That's about all I can say about that. <laughs> As you can tell, um, Vance is um, just a man who loves the word. Um, there, uh, I, I know it was in his bio um, that he, um, during your surgery, uh, you um, got hepatitis C. And I remember um, hearing of your testimony and your story at that time and how you grew so much in the word during that time when you were on the hospital bed. And um, it's, it's crazy that even he uses it all. 
you, you, every passage that you're clinging into or the remembrance of his word, I feel like, are rooted from so long ago um, yeah. that are just becoming life um, and be, being woven into your soul. That's a good point. Woven into our souls. Yes, that's what he does. And he weaves, he weaves our souls together, too. Our hearts together. Not just weaving all of him into us, but even all of us into each other. And I think I got to witness that. Um, I've never been to such a funeral before. I mean, first of all, there was over 800 people. I was... Um, but there was this resounding uh, testament of each person, not just the people who were speaking up at front, but even side-to-side -side conversations, where we are celebrating life, not mourning the dead. I just, there was just, um, there was sadness, there was grieving, there was missing you, missing Julia, um, but there was just, you couldn't, and even if you weren't a believer, I feel like you couldn't shake off this fact that there was something more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, there, was, there was something more. Mm -hmm. It's like, what, what are they doing that they know, they know something that I don't? And I feel like that's the impression that you left on many. Could you um, share a, a little bit about that week? Um, where his, her coworkers were coming by, um, maybe some of the conversations, and, and they do it so non, like, um, not intimidating way, not apart from you way, but it is I am with you way. Um, yeah, and it, I don't know, you could already tell, they're, like, they would speak more of us than them, and um, that's just the kind of person they are, but how is that week of, um, well, I'll, I'll, answer, I'll do the first answer. <laughs> we had a, a lot of, um, like, like Tiffany said, a lot of Julia's coworkers um, from all different faiths. Um, one of Julia's best friends, though, was there and um, was there with us for the whole week, and she's Jewish. And um, was just such a, has been such an amazing friend to Julia. She's really like a daughter to me and a sister to my daughters. And um, she, we prayed with her. We had a worship night where a pastor came and did worship with us, and she wanted to be in there every every single step of the way, and um, was just and has and I've seen her transform in her um, not really even believing in God, really even um, you know culturally Jewish, but now she believes in God and she's wanting to know more and. Um, and then the same with her coworkers, and one of her other best friends came and wanted to talk to the pastor um, who had given the service. And um, it was just, we all cried, we talked about Julia, we laughed, we had joy, we had tears. Um, but you're right, I, I felt the Holy Spirit's presence. And I can only pray, continue to pray for all her um, you know, friends that came. And we had a 30th, she was 29 and turned, and would have turned 30 in October. And so we had a 30th birthday party for all her friends and family. And it was, it was a, a big celebration too, with lots of prayers. And um, so, you know, who knows, God is doing a work. It's definitely not us, it's God doing it. And it's God has to change the hearts. We just kind of are there to, to point the way. 
So there was a, another person in the, in the accident um, with her, and he had been going out with her for a couple of months. We did not meet him yet um, at that time. Uh, she had a cousin that had met him and was kind of encouraging to her, but his walk was a little behind her in terms of her responsibility and thinking that she would, really did want to start doing something uh, besides serving at that time. So she was managing, and then she was going back to school, getting straight A's at Orange Coast College, and wanted to go to uh, San Luis Obispo, either business or the wine business or something. And she had a purpose. She was uh, kind of seeing that. And this, this uh, man um, was her boyfriend, the beginning of a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. And we got to meet him at the funeral, at the memorial service. There was a memorial service at, at, a, at a big place, Saddleback, uh, Irvine. They gave us this building. It was amazing to have that night. And then we had a kind of a service, like a um, reception afterwards. And that's where we met him. Um, he was from Santa Maria, but had come down here and been trying to go to school and then ended up uh, you know, serving and bartending in various restaurants. The one is in Costa Mesa. Uh, we, went to, we, we, we then have gotten to know him. And he's had a tough time. He was accident too. He was injured and um, obviously very traumatic, you know, losing your girlfriend that way. So we saw him about two weeks ago up in Santa Maria. He's moved back. We met his family, his parents, his sister. Um, they actually came down from another thing, which was this tattoo thing. If you go to, if you go to the, the, the yeah, <laughs> if you go to this website, you'll see that. But um, anyway, it was so it was so bittersweet. But we see transformation in him too. I mean, these aren't our in-laws, but maybe they would have been. We don't think that way, but. There was an empty seat at the table, and that just happened to be that way. We didn't plan it. Um, there was a seat there, and it just it hit me that I could be actually talking to somebody that would have been, and Julia would have loved them. But you know what? I, I feel that this whole thing, one of the things that's happening is that God is using, which would have, you know, using this terrible tragedy in their lives, and they're coming to God too. And he's starting to see his purpose, and he's now starting to uh, manage a restaurant up there and wants to go to slow. Um, so there's joy even in that, even though it's kind of hard uh, when we finally get it hit again that, you know, six months later. But this is, gonna, this is the way we're told. We're told that this is a wave. Um, bringing it up is great. We thank you for even listening and watching us cry up here, but um, it, it, it is a healing process, and thank you. And I was also going to say that um, the, the tears come when we are focused on this life and how much we're missing Julia here, but when we, so we're like focused down here, but when we move out here and take an eternal perspective and really look at it from God's perspective, it's just so much easier. Too. So we, that's why we do go up and down. It's a lot easier to look at things, and all our, as all our problems can be, look at it from an internal perspective. I think that was going to be my next question. Because um, many of us, we might be young or, and haven't uh, endured such grief. Uh, maybe some of us have already, uh, or maybe some of us are already in it. Um, what are some things that... Uh, 
because even as you're sharing, it, there you can't you can't exempt the realness of the pain of seeing seeing an empty seat, of watching the video, and I like I can't watch that without crying, right? Um, what are like how do you train your what what are you like how do you train your soul to do that when our hearts don't want yeah, to? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I just get down on my knees. I just pray. I feel like God is with me and Jesus is with me all the time, especially in the silence um, when I'm driving in the mornings when we do our devotions. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of the verse in, in um, 2 Corinthians where it's, uh, there's a, Paul gets, it talks about the thorn in his side. And uh, this is a thorn in our side that will never go away. When Vance had his, his hep C and we had some, you know, he had to quit his work and change jobs, that was a thorn in the side that I always had the hope would go away. I always thought, okay, God will take that away someday. But this is a thorn that I know will never go away. And uh, God's, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And so I just have to keep, that's, that's a big verse for me. And his power is made perfect in our weakness, so. Well, yeah, I think everything about that. And then um, you know, we had three other kids, and you know, life goes on. We're seeing them bond. It turns, turns out they're all in different places. I mean, Julia was staying with us, and so we had a son also uh, who had just graduated from USC. He was our youngest, and had gotten a job in San Francisco, and he was going to start in August, but then he put it off from uh, another month or six weeks because of this. But then we had a daughter who was actually visiting. She lives in San Antonio. And then we have an older daughter um, in LA. And when the night the accident happened, we just happened to have three kids in the house, Julia, Molly, and John. And Julia, uh, Molly and John came with us to the hospital. So they saw that. It was the quickest, quickest uh, time I've ever been in a hospital, one hour. Um, and then we drove home in the dark. And so we bonded, like, and with their, their the two other daughters are married and their uh, husbands, we bonded. We took about a four or five day trip to San Francisco to see where John was going to be living. And then he decided he's just going to take six weeks before he starts. But that was a great trip. We had a van and we just all drove and all listened to worship songs and um, right after this happened. And that's continuing, I think. It's, yeah. There's so, so much connection. Um, and you know, yes, you, you that are, anybody who's grieving out there, um, you'll understand what that means. I mean, the, it, it's the supernatural connection that God brings with life come pouring into us through prayer and community, family, friends, that um, plus his word uh, that, that gets us through. Um, like I said, when I read this passage, I was reminded of them instantly, um, because as Paul writes, he says, if I am to remain, uh, I will remain as a fruitful servant for the Lord, and um, it's not word for word, sorry. Um, and currently, uh, I mean, they have spoken into my life so richly, um, and and they uh, just started uh just, I think Vance kind of shared a little bit. Julia, shared, uh, Julia started, is, was trying to go back into school, and 
um, was getting straight A's, and I knew she was 29, but the thing yeah, said 27. But I just yeah. wanted to get, show you a little video clip of what is uh, currently happening, and um, you know, this is, this is uh, it's only been six months. I don't think I've ever met a parent um, being able to grieve, and yet, at the same time, be so hopeful um, it is just, it's, I am so humbled by uh, your faith and, um, and you know, I, I had lunch with Carol and she, she, when she was doing that, she didn't do this, she didn't do that, she went like this, she went, I, I love that, and she was like, you know, um, when she was sharing her First Corinthians, uh, the thorn passage and, <laughs> for the resurrection, the but yeah, I, I constantly see them. It's not that they don't struggle. It's not that they don't feel grief. It's that they fall on their knees when they feel that. And um, uh, yeah, I just wanted to share with you guys what is currently happening. And oh, I was gonna say, um, yeah, when I had lunch with her, um, you know, it's been six months and the, the people and, and, and the rush of things is kind, it's dying out. And there's a lot more quietness. Um, and so if you guys could continue praying for them um, as, the, as they go on through their journeys. But I would also like to show this clip, if you could. They're on the Channel 7 News. just introduce that the, our daughters started a website called I Keep Dancing. And um, yeah, I'll do, yeah. Very painful and sudden death. I would just use what Elizabeth McBride shows us what they're doing to keep her memory and her message alive while helping others in need. The tattoo on Rob Stilwell's arm reads, I keep dancing. It's a permanent reminder of his friend Julia Gardner and how she would have gone through life. She was always so brave and you know, now she's not around to remind us in person, you know, to be brave, have fun, get in a group. Uh, so it's just a little reminder to be like, oh, Julie would want me to go say hi, Julie would want me to go dance. Julia was taking Uber last July in Costa Mesa when the vehicle was hit by a drunk driver. Julia died from her injuries. To honor the 27-year-old, her loved ones decided to get the same I Keep Dancing tattoo either on their right foot, where Julia had hers, or an arm. When we're together, um, I just look at that tattoo and she's still with us. Julia's family and friends had never gotten tattoos before. This is a first for all of them and they've come to the same tattoo shop and the same artist. They left such an impression that um, I honestly feel like I knew Julia and the tattoo was very touching to me because I love to dance. In addition to the tattoo, Julia's sisters decided to help others in her memory. We created a website called ikeepdancing.com uh, to have a community for people who are dealing with grief or any other sort of tragedies um, and also to create a scholarship for people who are going back to school over the age of 25 which is what she was doing. The scholarship fund has raised about $10,000 so far growing along with the number of memorial tattoos and their online community of support. In Fullerton, Melissa McBride, ABC7 Eyewitness News. Could you share with us a little bit about what is going on um, currently? Well, um, I, we don't even know how much actually money has been raised beyond that. I think more has been raised. Um, the daughters, uh, yeah, my daughters and, their, and her cousin and her best friend, did. they just felt that they needed to do something constructive. So that's why they got together and they spent about like 
I could started right afterwards, and they spent about six months putting this together. And um, so many people, so it's a foundation, and so many people have, um, you know, shared, and and it's on Facebook, you know, Facebook, and um, it's just been a very big healing process for them as well. And, and they write blogs. They all of them are good writers, so they write blogs about the grieving process, and um, you know, with their joy and hope also in there, and um, so it's been really healing for Can them. Can you guys show us your tattoos? <laughs> <laughs> so I always said, there is no way I will ever get a tattoo. <laughs> I always told my children, never get a tattoo. <laughs> that was just, that's just my generation, you know? And um, so never say never, right? And um, Julia had, Julia was my, like I said, my little rebel, and she had this one on their foot, and it said, I keep dancing on my own, from a song by Robin. I don't know if you know that song. But it was kind of a, I'm independent, and I don't, you know, um, I, can, I can keep dancing through, through pain. And so it became our kind of saying, and we all thought, okay, this is perfect. And it's just, it was, um, so I was one of the first ones to get it, and Vance was too, and um, all the cousins. And now there are 30 people that have gotten this tattoo. And it's just um, a reminder, and I love it. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm showing everybody, so, yeah. Forgive me, I, I couldn't actually time. get I Keep Dancing. No. Um, I don't know. I thought I went for Ecclesiastes 3 4, yeah. <laughs> which is I, yeah, which had a better biceps, but uh, uh, <laughs> I, I keep, uh, no, um, yeah, there is a time for uh, crying and a time for laughing, a time for mourning and a time for dancing. There's a few other dancing um, uh, scripture too. So some other people have done that. Uh, my son did <laughs> huge one. Um, Revelation 21:4. It will wipe every tear from. So it doesn't have to be dancing. Um, but that, that's kind of, kind of an amazing thing that uh, it, there's there is a community that I think God is creating, um, building, pouring into that um, I think is the gospel. Um, thank you for inviting us in, allowing us to grieve with you and to think about Julia, um, allowing us to share in the hope. Uh, I think every time I think of you, I, I rejoice even more the God we serve. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for having us. Yeah. Thanks for Talk listening. To you. <laughs> it was Could we just take a few minutes to um, pray to God and and um, reflect on some of the things that were heard? Maybe the Spirit is moving you. Um, even if He moves you physically to fall on your knees, I would I would highly recommend just going off uh, or remaining right where you are. Um, if you guys need prayer, there's a prayer team um, available too. We would love to sit with you too and pray through that. Um, but let's take a minute with communion and praying.